0: الحمد لله رب العالمين له الحمد الحسن والثناء الجميل واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له يقول الحق وهو يهدي السبيل واشهد ان سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وعلى اله واصحابه والتابعين لهم باحسان الى يوم الدين أما بعد ان شاء الله our fourth lesson on the explanation of the kitab بُلُغُ الْمَرَى مِنْ Adillatil Hakam by Hafiz ibn Hajar al-Asqalani Kitab al-Hajj Today we're going to be doing the famous and long hadith of Jabir in which he describes the Prophet وسلم, in which he explains the Hajj of the Prophet.
1: Na'am. <coughs> the
0: author, Rahimahullah, he chaptered here Babu Sifat al This chapter is the chapter of description of Hajj rituals and entering Mecca. Two things The description of hajj Hajj ritual And the entering of Mecca The hajj It consists of speech And it also consists of actions It starts with tawaf And then sa'i And if I mention it the whole entire hajj Quickly And the description And then we go into more details Is The person comes for Umrah He's doing Tamattu'. So the person comes He comes for Umrah He comes to the house of Allah He comes We spoke about the ihram He wears ihram He comes to Mecca and he, when he comes to Mecca, he does tawaf around the Kaaba seven times. That's what it starts with. And when he does the tawaf, we'll learn more about the tawaf and how it works. But I'm trying to go fast, inshallah, ta'ala, and give you an overview. So he goes around the Kaaba seven times. And then he goes to Makamu Ibrahim. And he. Praise two raka'ah in front of Maqam Ibrahim and the Kaaba. So Maqam Ibrahim is here, and behind it is the Kaaba. If he can't, because of it being crowded and anything and everything, then he should go a bit further away. There's no problem with it. He prays two raka'ah. The first raka'ah he recites "Qul and the second one he reads "Qul Wallahu When he does that, he gets up. He drinks Zamzam water and it's recommended that he tries to touch the black stone. But if he can't because of it being crowded, no problem. He goes to the Sa'i, Safa wal He starts with Safa because of the ayah Allah started with Safa. So the person starts with Safa and he goes like that. We'll speak more about that inshallah ta'ala soon. Then, what the person does is he shaves his hair or he shortens his hair and he's finished his umrah. Umrah is done. He waits until the 10th of Dil Hijjah. Sorry, to the 8th of Dil Hijjah. Yawmu Tarwiyah, the 8th of Dil Hijjah, he waits. It's called Yawmu Tarwiyah. We'll learn, inshallah, soon why it's called Yawmu Tarwiyah. So what he does is, on the 8th of Dil hijjah he comes to Mina. So it starts from Mina. He comes to Mina and he prays Al-Dhuhr, Al-Asr, Al-Maghrib, al Al Isha, and Al-Fajr. All of those prayers, he prays it in their time. He's not allowed to combine it, but he shortens it. And increases in the Talbiya And the Adkar And the Dua At that period Once he has prayed Salatul fajr, And the sun rises He goes towards Arafah On the 9th He goes to Arafah And he prays there Al-Dhuhr Wal-Asr Jam'an Combines them. The jama' here is jama' and taqseer. Ama qasr. He combines the two and he shortens it as well. With one adhan and two iqamas. For two prayers, right? And he remains there ila antagru bas shams. And he stays there until the sun sets. And he increases in the dua and the Adkar and the begging of Allah Azza wa Jalla. When the sun sets, and he has to make sure that the sun sets, he doesn't pray Maghrib. He doesn't pray Maghrib. He does Alifadhati ila Muzdalifa. He goes to Muzdalifah. And he prays Maghrib and al Isha in Al-Muzdalifah. Combines them two, and the jama'ah is called Jam'u he puts it over there. And the way that he goes to his Muzdalifa is وواقار, easy and calm. When he reaches Muzdalifa, he prays Maghrib and he prays Isha. وقصرن, combines them and he shortens it. And he stays there the night. He sleeps as the prophet did ali there's no ibadah that you busy yourself with you just pray your witr and you sleep until salatul fajr salatul fajr when you pray it and the sun rises you go ila mina so your jam your of jamara, jamarat al aqaba the throwing of the stone and you only throw jam, the Aqabatul uh, Kubra, which is close to Mecca, and you stone seven times. After you have stoned, and you went to Mina and you stoned, you have come with a Tahallulul Awal, The first Tahallul. If you have a sheep with you, slaughter it, shave your hair, or shorten it. Then the person goes to Tawaf al-ifadah. The person cleans himself. Showers. He beautifies himself. And then he goes to Makkah to do Tawaf al-ifadah. And if the person hasn't done the Sa'i that we mentioned, if he didn't do it, he does it here. Then he goes back to Al-Mabitu ila Mina. The person goes back to after Tawaf al-ifadah. He goes to Mina and he stays there. The eleventh, the twelfth. If he wants to hasten, he can leave the, after the twelfth. But if the twelfth night the sun sets on you, you have to stay for the thirteenth. Then the person goes to Ramul Jamara. Am I mean, Ramul Jamar? The three stonings now: Surah, Wusta, and Akaba. Seven each. And then last but not least, the person then goes back. He's finished his hajj, but there's one thing still on his neck. When he's about to leave Mecca, and he's allowed, he's, he wants to leave the, the house of Allah, جل, he does rawaf al wada And he makes it the last thing that he does in Mecca. That's a fast, quick summary of hajj. Now we're going to go in great details, inshallah ta'ala, this famous hadith, more explanation, more understanding, Inshallahu uh, ta'ala. Naam.
1: حتى the لك here and لك <Sess->
0: this hadith, Al-Imam who said, it's good to write this, Al-Imam said about this hadith in the Sharah of Sahih Muslim, because the hadith is in Sahih Muslim, Al-Imam al said, وهو حديث عظيم مشتمل على جمل من الفوائد ونفائس من مهمات القواعد قال القاضي قد تكلم الناس على ما فيه من الفقه واكثر وصنف فيه ابو بكر بن المنذر جزءا كبيرا وخرج فيه من الفقه 150 نوعا ولو قصي لزيد على هذا القدر قريب منه He said this is a great hadith imam said this is a great hadith. It contains many beneficial points and the substance of many important principles. And then he brought the statement of Al Qadir Iyad. He said, Qala Al Qadi, Qadi said, Qadir Iyad said, the people have spoken about its points of jurisprudence and have mentioned many points. Abu Bakr ibn Mundir. Has compiled a large volume on this hadith and has derived some 150 points. An additional similar amount could be added to that, no, we said. So this hadith is of great fawa'id, great benefit. We won't be able to finish 150 points. If we finish 50 points, it would be very good. This hadith, al-Imam muslim narrated it. Bukhari did not narrate it. It's from the hadith that scholars, great, they consider to be what? Min afradi Muslim dun al-Bukhari. It is the hadith which al-Imam muslim was alone in over Bukhari. So let's mention the story behind this hadith. So we have a bit of understanding and then we go into the hadith Inshallah, ta'ala. Bukhari narrated, sorry, Muslim narrated from two of his sheikhs Abu Bakr ibn Abi Shayba and Ishaq ibn Ibrahim and Ishaq ibn Rahuya, two of his teachers. He narrated this hadith from two Sheikhs. who well, both of them narrated from Hatim ibn Ismail al-Madani and Ja'far ibn Muhammad and on he said, Ja'far ibn Muhammad Ja'far ibn Muhammad is Ja'far, Ibn Muhammad, Ibn Ali, Ibn Hussein Ibn Ali, Ibn Abi Talib This is the Prophet's family So Ja'far said, I heard this from my father, Ja'far Ibn Muhammad You all know Ja'far? What's his name? What's he called? It's who they call Al-Baqir The Shia, they call him what? Al-Bakr, Imam Ulana, he's our Imam. And Jafar ibn Muhammad, he said, anabihi from his father, the khalna ala Ali ala Jabir ibn Abdullah. So Muhammad ibn Ali ibn al Hussein, he said, عنه, he said, I entered upon Ali, uh, sorry, Jabir. I came to Jabir. Jabir asked about the people who were there. Why did he ask about the people who were there? Because Jabir became blind at this time. He couldn't see no one. Jabir was, was blind. So he couldn't see anyone. So he asked, who's in the room? Who's with me? So everyone introduced themselves. <laughs> Until it came to me. When it came to me, Muhammad ibn Ali ibn al Hussein, he said, when it came to me, Jabri placed his hand on my head. Like that. فنزعى, and then he unbuttoned الأعلى, my top button. He opened it with his hand. نزعى, and then he opened الأسفل, and he opened the button after that one. كفه, then he placed his palm ثديا, he placed it on my chest even in that day I غُلَامٌ was, شَاب I was a young boy. I wasn't old, I was young. I was a youth. Fa he said to me, أَخِي welcome my nephew, sal shi to ask what you want." What we partake from this is how important it is to give attention to the youth and the youngsters. And the way he did it was in a very comfortable, comfortable way for, and a welcoming way. First, he spoke to him. First, he touched him. He touched him from the head, and then he put his hand on his chest. And Jabir is a highly respected man, and he's young. And not only that, he made du'a for. He made he made him welcome. He said Marhaban and welcome. And then the third thing he said to him was, ask whatever you want. This benefits us the way that the uh, alim or student of knowledge should be. Like welcoming, approachable. People when they come to you, you comfort them. That's important. Especially the youths who are the future of this ummah. The youths are the future of the ummah. They need that. They shouldn't be kicked out and pushed away and ignored and... Also, it shows us that the Prophet's family—they used to seek knowledge—and that the concept of lineage and your background—it doesn't necessarily take you to Jannah. Are we all together? If it's not coupled, if it's not coupled with iman, Abu Lahab was what? It was the Prophet's uncle. It was the Prophet's uncle. Will that take him to Jannah? And no, it won't take him to Jannah. The hadith says, Anyone whose lineage delays him. You didn't come with um, righteous actions. Your lineage and where you're from and your background and your country will not push you forward. So Jabir radiallahu anhu did that. فَاسَأَلْتُهُ I asked him, you see he was blind the salat time came in when I wanted to ask and so we went to the prayer and we prayed and then he said I asked him he put on his mantle which was too loose for him or too short for him and he led the salah I then said to him when we prayed and we came back again I said, أَخْبِرْنِي عَنْ حَجَّةِ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمُ Tell me about the Prophet as hajj. فَقَالَ بِيَدِهِ فَعَقَدَ He did with his hand to show me nine. He showed me nine. فقال, he then said and then the hadith starts. This hadith is very long and is the most detailed hadith. But there are things that Jabir missed out. But there is no hadith better than it. And Muslim bought it in its length. Muslim what? Brought it in its length. The way I want to go through it, inshallah ta'ala, is before I comment on the hadith, let's do some things, inshallah ta'ala. Let's first of all, study the concept of hajj in a bit more detail than the way I just did it. And then we talk about what the Prophet did, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Write this down, inshallah ta'ala. Hajj, is a ibadah, and it's one of the five pillars of Al-Islam. <clears throat> it has pillars. It has obligation, obligatory acts. And it has sunnah acts. So pay attention. Hajj has essential components. It also has essential pillars. It also has obligatory acts. And it also has sunan. What's the difference between these three? The general difference between these three is a rukun, a pillar, if you don't come with it, your act is null and void. It's finished. Are we all together? You have to bring it back. That's what a means. Arkan, it means if you don't come with this, it's gone, null and void. Wajib is what? Wajib is if you don't come with it, you're a sinner. But you don't have to necessarily come with that act. Something else can take its place. position. You might have to pay an expiation or etc. Are we all together? And the third one is sunan. Sunan is that which is voluntary. Sunnah. It's not obligatory, you don't have to do it. So let's mention the sunanul hajj. The things that are sunan. Once we finish that, we will mention the uh, wajibat and then we mention the arkan. What does hajj start with? It starts with the ihram, right? The ihram is the, where, where it all starts from, right? So let's start with the ihram. There are 13 things. No, I've written seven. Seven things that are sunnah for hajj, uh, for ihram. The ihram. Sunan. Number one, it's a sunnah for your ihram. It is al ghuslu inda al ihram, it is to make complete washing. You have to do complete Complete washing And that is based on the hadith of Aisha That we mentioned previously We took the hadith right Where she said I would place perfume On the Messenger وسلم, When he would go for his ihram. She would place it on his body We've spoken about that. Oh, that's sorry. That's the, what did it, the, sorry, sorry. Did I mention perfume? I mentioned the evidence for perfume. Sorry. The evidence is that the Prophet ﷺ would shower is not that evidence. The evidence is the hadith of Zayd ibn Thabitin. ra'a sallallahu That the messenger took his clothes off and he showered. That's the evidence to shower or to completely clean yourself. And the person does this to get rid of the smell. Number two is Before you put your ihram on, what do you do? You put perfume on your body. And the evidence for that is the hadith I just mentioned for Aisha. She said, I would, play, I would place on the Messenger وسلم, perfume, um, before he would put his ihram on, the third sunnah for the ihram is fi izarin in to wear a white waist wrapper and a outer garment. So the top and the bottom that you're wearing, two garments at the bottom, the bottom one and the upper one, both of them to be white is recommended. Abdullah ibn Abbasani he said inṭalaq an-nabī ṣallallāhu wa sallam min al izārahū wa ridāʾahu huwa wa aṣḥābuh. That hadith is the evidence to show to wear two two izars. Abdullah ibn Abbasani he said the messenger ṣallallāhu ʿalayhi wa sallam he left Medina after he combed his hair and after he placed perfume on himself. And he wore who he wore the lower garment, the waist wrapper, and ridaa, which is the top, the outer garment. He did it, and his companions did it. As for it being white, is based on the hadith of Abbas, also where the Prophet said, "Ilbisu," where means thiyabikum al Wear from your clothes, white. Fa innaha min because it's the best of your clothes. فِيهَا mawtakum And shroud white on your, on your dead. So this hadith shows that it's recommended. Number four. فِي الْعَقِيقِ لِمَن مَرَّ Number four is to pray in the valley of Al-Aqiq. To pray in where? In the valley of Al-Aqiq. This is based on the hadith that we took before. Remember Hadith Umar. Where the Prophet said, Atani a, Tonight a visitor from my Lord came to me and he said to me, هذا, Pray here, pray in this blessed valley, and say, And say, Umrah with Hajj. Number five. Raf to raise your voice, to raise your voice whilst repeating the talbiya. We took the hadith of As ibn Khalad ibn Sa'ibin, right? Was is it was it Assa'ib ibn Khalad or Khalad ibn Sa'ibin? Khalad ibn Sa'ibin. That he, the Prophet he said, Atani Jibrun Fa'marani an Amura ashabi. Jibril came to me and he commanded me and he told me to tell my companions and yarfau aswatahum for them to raise their voices bil ihlali awi talbiya that they raise their voices Jibril came and to told me that they raise their voices with the the intention that they make and the talbiya so the sahabas they used to do it and after him sallallahu alaihi wasallam they would raise their voices the narrator said hatta tubahu aswaatuhum." the sahaba would raise their voices so loud and so high until they would lose their voices the way they would shout the sahaba to rasulillahi sallallahu alaihi wasallam talbiya for the person to say is "La allahumma labaik labaik la sharika lak labaik innal hamda wan ni'mata lak wal mulk la sharika lak the sunnah and the person says it loud as we mentioned and the person carries on this hatta al jamrat al kubra talbiyah keeps going until the person does what Jamaratul al kubra based on hadith ibn abbas that the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam arda al fadhla fa akhbara al fadhla annahu lam yazal yulbi hatta the messenger said to Fadl ibn abbas abdullah ibn abbas's brother he said to him I have been consistent in doing my talbiyah until I uh, I stoned the jamara min jamaratul al-aqaba Number 6 tahmid wa wa Number 6 is repeating the phrases alhamdulillah and subhanallah and Allahu akbar you repeat this before saying the talbiya. Based on ihlal hadith anas Malikin, malik qala salla rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa nahnu ma'ahu bil madinah adh-dhuhra wa arba'an wal 'asra bi dhil hulayfati rak'atayn thumma bataha biha hatta asbah thumma rakiba hatta stawat bihi 'ala al-bida'i hamidallaha wa subha wa kabbara thumma thumma bi hajji wa umratin This hadith says Anas ibn Malik's hadith That the messenger He prayed The noon prayer Four units While we were in Medina And he prayed the afternoon prayer Two units in the Hulaifa Then he spent the night there Until the morning Then he he rode Until he was upon Al-Bayda Praising Allah exalting his perfection, exalting him in his greatness, subhanahu wa ta'ala, then he made the talbiyah for hajj al-umrah. So he did it before he done. And the seventh is al-ihlal wa mustaqbil al-qibla to say the talbiyah whilst facing the qibla. To say the talbiyah whilst facing the qibla. And this is based on the hadith of Nafi' qala kana ibn Umar in idha salla bil ghadati bidhi al-hulayfati amra bi rahilati. Faruhila Thumma Fa Qibla Fa'ala. said when Ibn Umar would pray the morning prayer, Adal Hula, he would get his mount ready and then get on it. He used to face the Taqibla, the Talbiya as he sat on his mount, setting off to Mecca. He said that the Messenger of Allah also did that which I am doing right now. Those seven are the sunnah of Al-Ihram. The sunnah of Ihram. Now we're going to go into the sunnah of facing Mecca. Uh, sorry, entering Mecca. These seven sunan are related to entering Mecca. And they are, inshaAllah ta'ala, 13. Uh, sorry, one, two, three, four. Four sunnahs. In total, how much is it going to be? With the A- 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 seven, that we, A- A seven that we mentioned. How much is it going to be? Sorry, sorry. One, two, three, four, five. Six, sorry. Six onto the uh, seven. Is how much? 13. So it's going to be 13 altogether so far. So add these six. These are the six of the Surah al Duholi Makkah. These six are the Sunnah related to entering Mecca. Number one is Al Mabi to be the It is spending the night at the Tu'a. And number two Makkah to perform ghusl. Before you enter Mecca, and entering it at daytime, and entering Mecca at daytime, not nighttime, daytime. Those are the three. Al Mabid to be the Tuwa, and entering Mecca at daytime. Those three, the evidence for it is: Kanabn Umar, رَضِيَ اللَّهُ تعالى عَنْهُ بَعْدَ إِذَا دَقَّلَ أن الحرم امسك if he entered Mecca or he came close to Mecca he would hold from the Talbiya, he won't say the Talbiya, and he would stay in the tuwa he will remain there for that night and he would pray And he would shower And then he would say to the people That the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Is the one who used to do this He said the Prophet Is the one who did this Number 11 I'm at the 4th Are we all together Number number 4 Dukhulu Makkata Min entering mecca Entering mecca through the higher raven. thaniyat al-ulya to enter it from there and that is based on the hadith of abdullah ibn umarin kana rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam damas yajawaz wan yadkhulu min he would enter from min al-thaniyat al-ulya wa yakhruju he would enter it from the higher ravine the prophet the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam or the higher passage and he would come out from the, the lower passage. Then number 12. I'm a 5. If you're counting the Sunnah and the Dukhuli wa 5. That the person. He enters the mosque, the masjid. The Kaaba. He enters with his right leg. He says Allah he says i seek refuge in Allah al the great lord wa bi wajhi the person says billahi i seek refuge in Allah the great by his noble face wa sultanihi al-qadim and his ancient authority rajim from the accursed satan bismillah in the name of Allah Allahumma, oh Allah Salli ala Muhammadin Send And shower Muhammad With blessings And peace Allahumma, oh Allah Open for me The doors of your mercy The person says that And number 13 Which is the sixth And if the person sees um, The house he raises his hands um, and he makes dua because this was transmitted from Abdullah ibn Abbasin. He used to say, Allahumma anta salamu wa minka salamu fahayina rabbana bis salami. And it's sound that is being narrated from him. That Abdullah ibn Abbasin would say, That Oh Allah, you are the source of peace. And O oh Allah, you are the source of peace. And confirm, Allah, you are the source of peace. And peace comes from you. فَحَيِّنَا Rabbana Oh Allah, allow us to live in peace. And this is sound. It's correctly transmitted from him. Now we're going to go into the Sunnah al Tawaf. The person, the Sunnah of going around the Ka'bah. circumambulating around the Kaaba. The first is Al-Iddiba'. Al-Iddiba'. And Al-Iddiba' means that the person he shows his right arm. So he places it under his armpits the ihram and he shows his right arm. And then he takes the other side and he throws it on top of his left shoulder. That is what it's called. The Prophet sallallahu in the hadith: "An the sallallahu alaihi wasallam the Prophet; he circumbulated around the Kaaba whilst his right hand arm can be seen." The second is. the person touches the black stone While he's going around the Kaaba he tries to bl- touch the black stone when it comes to touching the black stone there are many ways I will, I'll, I'll expand on that later inshallah, ta'ala. Based, so you touch the Kaaba uh, so you touch the black stone this is based on the Hadith of the Umar he said, I saw the messenger of Allah makkata, coming to Mecca. Abdullah, Abdullah ibn Umarin he said, I saw the messenger of Allah upon arriving in Mecca touching and kissing the black stone while beginning circumambulation. He walked quickly in the first three of the seven circumambulations, which we're going to come to now. Number three. Is الحجري, to kiss the black stone. So the second was to touch it. Like in this, the third one is to kiss it. Umar, what did he say to the black stone when he came to it? He said to him, the black stone, رأيتو, If I wasn't to see Rasulullah, the Messenger of Allah, قبلتك, I would never have kissed you. If I didn't see the Prophet kiss you, I would not have kissed you. The fourth, etiquettes and manners and sunnah. When circumambulating around the Kaaba is As-sujudu alayhi To prostrate on the black stone And this is based on the hadith Ibn Umar He said Umar qabbal I saw Abdullah Ibn Umar in he said, I saw Umar kiss the black stone And put his forehead on the stone Thumma And then he kissed it again And then he put his forehead on it ثُمَّ And then he said, هَكَذَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ I saw the Prophet do that. Five. التَكْبِيرُ عِنْدَ الرقلي. The person, he says the takbir upon passing the corner. You say, Allahu Akbar. That's the sunnah of the Messenger ﷺ. لِحَدِيثِ إِنْ عَبَّاسِ طاف النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم بالبيت على بعيره كلما rukna ashara أشار إليه بشيء كان عنده وكبرا. The message of Allah عليه السلام, whenever he would go around the Kaaba, he would, when he circumambulated around the Kaaba, whenever he came to that side, أشار إليه, he would point towards it with either an object or his hand, like in some people you see they do two hands. They used both their hands. That's not from the sunnah or shaking it like this. You see people do that. All of that is not from the sunnah. Nam. Six. Number six, right? Ar-ramal. Fil ashwati al-aula min al al-awwal. The person, he jogs. In the first three of the tawaf. He jogs. And inshallah ta'ala we will mention the wisdom of the jogging. When we come to you inshallah ta'ala why does that sunnah was prescribed to jog around the Kaaba? The first three you jog. This is based on the hadith of Al-Umar and Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam كان إذا طاف بالبيت الطوافي الأول رامل ثلاثة min أربعة من الحجري إلى so the first three he will jog, and the next four he wouldn't walk normally. Sallallahu alaihi wasallam. The jogging is from one. You count it when you start. You, where do you start from? You start from the black stone, right? You go round. That's one to the black stone again, and then again round to the black stone again. Second, and then third to the black stone. Then you finished your three circumambulation of the tawaf in which you would jog. The seventh is istilam al-rukn al-yamani. Is to touch. It is to what? To touch the Yemeni corner, which is the it's it's not opposite but it's on the other side of the the Kaaba. To touch it. This is based on the hadith of Abdullah ibn Umar. He said, lam ara, lam ara وسلم, I only saw the Messenger وسلم, touch the two sides of the Kaaba that face towards Yemen. And that's the black stone and the other side. The other two, which are known as the Rukhnu Shamaniyani, they are not touched. Are we all together? And Imam al Shafi'i, as half al Hajr mentioned in his al Bari, that Imam Shafi'i, he said We did not leave Touching the other two sides of the Kaaba Hajran lil bayti Because we want to boycott the house of Allah Or that we, don't, we want to boycott the Kaaba Imam Shafi'i, he said The reason why we don't touch the other two sides Of the Kaaba Is because we follow the messenger in what he does And we follow the messenger in what he He leaves Are we all together? So we, we, we do what he did and we leave off what he left off. It's very important that you understand that. We follow the messenger what he does. We also follow him in what? What he left. We have to follow him in that. The eighth is In between the two sides of the Yemeni corner, in between them, you make the dua Rabbana hasana. Number nine, right? The person says, خَلْفَ The person, he prays. After completing the circumambulation, you perform a two raqah prayer behind the house of Ibrahim. Two you pray and the evidence for this is the hadith of umar the prophet وسلم, he done tawaf around the kaaba 7 times and then he prayed behind the maqam ibrahim two rak'ah what is it that he reads That brings us to the next point, which is 10, right? Point number 10 is, You read next to the maqam, before you go into the salah, you say, Again, we're going to talk about the khilaf or the discussion of this issue. Did the messenger do it when he said that? Because the Prophet did say that. We're going to see it in the Hadith of Jabir. The messenger did say, When he came to the maqam. Likely did, did he do this? Mimba bi He was trying to teach the companions. take from this place a musalla? Or was this something that it is part of the ritual? There's a khilaf amongst the scholars. We will talk about that later, inshallah. So what does the person recite? In the first rak'ah, he recites al kafirun, and the second rak'ah, he reads The eleventh. Is to supplicate between the black stone corner and the door of the Kaaba by pulling one's chest and face and forearms against the Kaaba. And this is taken from the In the hadith of Jabir, that is going to come to us, inshallah. Ta'ala. 11, right? What number are we want now? 12. 12 is to drink the Zamzam water and also to what? Pour that water on your head. That's all in the hadith of Jabir. So you drink it and you take some of the water. And you place it over yourself. The scholars have discussed Zamzam water. Are you allowed to do Are you allowed to shower with it? Or is it prohibited? Fuqaha talk about it. Some of the fuqaha They say it's not allowed for two reasons. Number one uh, It's a blessed water. And the second reason they say Is because The messenger referred to the Zamzam water as food. Hadith of Abi Darrin. When the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa told him The water of Zamzam is طعمun, It's food Because Abi Dhar, he told the prophet That he came to Mecca and he had no food to eat And he said, I stayed in Mecca and I ate nothing And I only lived on Zamzam water and it used to fill me up Until my stomach, I started to get folds on my stomach, Abi Dhar said And then the messenger said to him that the Zamzam water is a what? It's Food So they said, you can't play around with food are we all together? And that's another discussion. How long is left for the prayer? Amen. I will carry on after the Salah, Inshallah, We will go to the Sunnah us sai Sunnah us sai now. Now we're going to go into the Sunnah related to the circuits of as sai Going in between saf- Safa and Maru. The Sunnah related to that. Istilam al al al-Sabiq. Touching the corner, as mentioned earlier, when you finish your uh, drinking zamzam water, it's it's a sunnah to go where and uh, to go and touch the black sto- to touch the corner, the uh, the rukun, the right, the other side. is recommended. No, no, there's the corner, the corner. The second is qira'ah to recite. Inna Safa, well, Marwa Ta Misha Illah, Feman Hajel Beta, a Tamara Fala Junaha, Alehi, Ayatowa Fabihima, Wamenta Tawa for Inna La Hashakirun Ali, Wamenta Tawa Khairam for Inna La Hashakirun Ali. Then the person says, Ibda Bima Beda Allahubi to recite that verse, the ayah one hundred and fifty eight in Surah Al Bakara. The ayah translates as, "Verily, As-Safa and Al-Marwah, they are two hillock of mountains in Mecca, are of the symbols of Allah. So it is not a sin on him who performs Hajj and Umrah of the house to perform the going between them, meaning mean safa and Al-Marwah. Whoever does good deeds, then verily Allah Taala will reward them." And Allah is all aware of what we do. The third is When the person goes on the mountain, so you make in Safa wal you say that, and then you go on the mountain. And then when you go on the mountain, you recite or you say, Face in the Qibla. You say, Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar Allahu Akbar three times. You say it three times and then you say La ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharikalaq wahul hamd wahua ala kulli sha in kadir. La ilaha illallah wahda Anjazawaada wa nasara abda wahazam al ahzaba wahda. Then the person makes the dua that they wish. The person does that. How, how many times do you make this dua and you face the qibla and you do all of this? First three. Or you say it three times. Number four. You jog between the, th- the green lights that have now been placed there and we'll talk about what's the significance of those two green lights when you come to that green lights you're going to see it you kind of jog a bit fast okay and we'll all these jogging and running we'll talk about who is it for and who is it not for who can do it and who can't. First we want to go over it and then we're going to go in great details Five is that the person does what they did in the safa they do it in Marwah. They do the same thing, nothing new. At this point, the person, he has finished his what. He's finished. His Umrah. He's finished his Umrah, right? Because he's doing tamatu. So you finished your Umrah. What do you now do? You shave your hair. If you have a lot of time before Hajj starts. If you don't have much time, then shorten it. Then You take off your ihram. You go into Mecca. You do what you want. You can have relationship with your family. There's nothing. Like in the one who's doing Qiran, no, he's still in the state of Ihram. The one who's doing tamattu'l-aikin, no. He's, he's not in that state of Ihram. He just waits for the 8th of Dil hijjah Yawm Sits around for that day to arrive. That day when it arrives, what did we say he does? He goes where? He goes to Mina. He goes Mina. Okay. So now we're going to talk about the etiquette of and the sunnah related to mina. We're going to go into that inshaAllah ta'ala, the sunnah related to mina. And it's only one, it's four inshaAllah ta'ala. Number one is, al-ihram You don't have to go to no you don't have to go outside Makkah. You don't have to. On the day of Tarwiyah, in your hotel, everything you just wear it. You wear your haram, you shower, you everything, and then you go. Are we all together? The reason why it was called Yom Utarwiyah, it was because before the people, before they went to uh, from outside Mecca, and they went to Mina and they're going to go to Muzdalifah and they're going to go Arafah, they don't have water. There is no water. So the people used to do tarwiyah from Mecca, meaning they would give water to their riding beasts. They would get waters packed for themselves to get ready to go. That's why it was called yomu tarwiyah. Rather, all of the days of Hajj they have names. Write this down. All of the days of Hajj has names. The eighth day is called yomu tarwiyah. The eighth day is called yomu tarwiyah. The ninth day is called yomu. Yawm Arafa. The day of Arafah. The tenth day is called Yawm nahar The eleventh day is called Yawm Al-Nahar. Yawm qurin Some scholars say he said. We'll talk about that inshallah. Ta'ala. The twelfth day is called Yawm nafarin And it's Al-Nafarul Awal. On the twelfth day. And the thirteenth day is al-thani Those are the days of Hajj. They each day has a name. We'll talk about that in more details, Inshallahu Taala. So, the second Sunnah related to going to Mina is Salatul Dhuhri, Wal Asri, Wal Maghribi, Wal Isha'i. All of them are prayed in where? Bi Mina. They prayed in, in Mina, and they prayed all of them Yomul On the eighth day, and the person that night, he stays in mina. He sleeps in mina. Until he prays what? What did we say before? In mina, you come and you pray asr. And you uh, sorry sorry, and then you pray asr, and then you what? Maghrib, and then you pray, and then you pray. You pray salatul fajr. When you pray salatul fajr, and the sun rises. The person, what does he do? The next point now. is the third point. The third man is Is Salatul Dhuhri wal Asri Jam'an wa Qasran In Namirai. Is Namira part of Arafah or not? We'll talk about that. Is Namira Part of Arafah or not? We're going to talk about that soon. Inshallah ta'ala. But is everybody with me so far? Am I making sense? Let's go back. To the sunnah related to Mina. Number one, what did I say the sunnah related to Mina is:,, the person He, he wears his clothing, and everything from his own house. From where? From his house. The second sunnah related to uh, Mina going to Mina is what? You pray dhuhr Asr, Maghrib, isha, all in what. All in Mina on the 8th, you sleep that night. Yeah, you sleep that night. Well maybe biha al until you pray Fajr. When you pray Fajr, the sun rises. When the sun rises, you leave. As soon as you see the sunrise, you leave now. You prayed Fajr, you stay there until rises. When sun rises The fourth point, or the third point, which is what? Salatul dhuhr wal asri jam'an wa qasran bin namirah on the day of Arafah. You pray dhuhr and asir in namirah. Qas jam'an, you combine and you what? And you also shorten. Question, is namirah from one of the rituals of hajj? Or is it not? Or was it something that the Messenger did because he got tired and he was fatigued and he just wanted to relax in uh, Namirah? Or is Namirah a place that is part of Hajj and you have to go and etc.? We'll speak about that in details inshallah ta'ala. The fourth point is أَلَّا <laughs> يَنْفِرَ The person should not leave Arafah until the sun sets. Arafah, two things are connected to Arafah. Brothers, are you with me? Two things are connected to Arafah. Being there and remaining there. If a person goes to Arafah, okay, he goes to Arafah. And when he goes to Arafah He leaves it straight away Before the sun sets Does he have hajj? So my question is That he goes to Arafah And then he leaves Arafah Before the sun sets Does he have hajj? Yeah? He has hajj Why? Because he went Arafah but there's a blood on him that he has to sacrifice, because he didn't stay for what until sunset. He didn't stay. That again, we're going to talk about that in more details, in the of the ulama in more details, inshaAllah. taala. Now we're going to go into the arkanul hajj, the arkan of what of hajj, the pillars of hajj. The pillars of hajj is. Again, what did we say, Pillar? If these things are not found, what did we say? If these things are not found, there is a what? There's no hajj for you, sorry. Number one is an niyyah You have to have an intention. Because of the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, And also, Number two is Al Wukufu bi Arafah. The second pillar is that the person stands in arafa. That the person he stands in arafa. Number three is Al Mabitu bi muzdelifa hatta matla il fajri wa salatil Fajri. The third one is To remain in Muzdalifa. spend the night at Muzdalifa until dawn, and praying the dawn prayer there. Number four, Tawaful al All of these masail we're going to go in great details. Are they a rukun? Is the khilaf in these issues? First of all, have a tasawur, and then we're going to take some points out. And number four is Tawaful al Tawaful Ta'waf al which we mentioned, the person does. This is the fourth one. Because of the ayah, Allah says, And number five is, As safa wal Doing the sa'i between safa and what? And Marwa. Now we're going to go into the wajibatul hajj. The obligatory things for hajj. The obligatory acts of hajj. Number one is al-ihram min al-miqat. That the person, they get into the ihram from the miqat. And what does it mean ihram from the miqat? It means that you change your clothes and you leave your previous clothes off. You take them off and you wear the haram clothes, and then you make the intention by saying "Labbayk Allahu umratan or you say "Labbayk Allahu Umra" if it's qiran. Are we all together? The second is al bi-mina fi that the person, the days of tashriq, he stays in mina. The nights of Tashriq. And we'll talk about what those nights of, nights of Tashriq are. We'll talk about which nights those are. I already mentioned it, but we'll go in more details later, inshallah. Number three is, Ramul jimari murattaban. Throwing the, uh, the stones, and uh, the pebbles in the proper order. So, for example, the day of Nahar, the day of the slaughter, he does the Jamarat for which one? Al-Aqaba, right? Seven. And the three days, what does he do in? The 11th and 12th and 13th, what does he do? He throws the other three again. So, he does, as we mentioned before, he starts with the Sughra and then the Wusta, and then the Qubra. He does those three. What is the amount of pebbles that the person throws? Big stones, rocks? Your shoes? All of those, it really takes place. You see some people when they finish their pebbles, they take off their shoes. And they start throwing it. Not knowing that the shoes are not going to come back for you. It's going to fall into somewhere. How are you going to do the rest? The Prophet وسلم, he said to the companions, هؤلاء, small pebbles he picked up. And the Prophet said, وسلم, like these small pebbles. Stay away from extremism in your religion. Stay away from extreme. For verily, those who came before you were destroyed by going overboard in their religion. So this hadith teaches us that. Is not only i'tiqad, belief. Going extreme is not only a belief. A person can also go extreme in what? In actions. You can be an extremist in your actions as well. But what we have to understand is the definition of the word ghulu and extreme is two things. You have to understand this all the time. The word ghulu, it can be ifrat or tafreet, exaggeration or negligence. Some people only think, when they think of the word extreme, they only think of what? The ones who exaggerates, But they don't forget the negligent one is also an extremist in the sharia. The one who says, I only pray two salahs a day. In the Quran and the Sunnah, is an extremist. Are we all together? So it's not just one side. And what's the evidence for that? Allah said in the ayah, Ya ahal al-kitab la the people of the scripture don't go overboard in your what? don't go overboard in your religion question who are the people of the book? the Christians and the? and the Jews right? and then right after Allah who did he talk about? Allah says Isa ibn Maryam is a messenger from Allah so stop here you have the Christians and you have the Jews and you have Isa ibn Maryam being spoken about here right? What did the Jews do to Isa ibn Maryam? What did they say about him? They went extreme in negligence. They neglected him. They gave no, no weight to Isa. Not, to them is nothing. So they were, Allah said, don't come with ghlo, oh Jews. But the Jews go, was what? Negligence. Towards Isa ibn Maryam. And the Christians, their extreme towards Isa was what? Exaggeration. They worshipped him. Are we all together? So, with the word extreme in the Quran and the Sunnah both are extreme. Extreme is anything that's not the middle path. As Allah said, وَكَذَلِكَ جَعَلْنَاكُمْ ummatan wasata. And what is the one, what is, who determines what is extreme and what isn't an extreme? Who determines it? Our uqul, our, our way of thinking? No. The nususul the Kitab and the Sunnah, are the ones that determine what is extreme or what isn't. Are we all together? The Quran and the Sunnah is what determines it. Some people they might consider, for instance, that it's ghulu to have your thobe above your ankles. That's an extreme thing for them. You're an extreme. You ghulu. Like in that's ghulu, fi zihnika, in your brain. Are we all together? Amma fi nususul it's obligatory for the man to have his garment above his what? Above his ankles. Another person may see extreme for a woman to wear a niqab. He might see that as that's guru. What are you doing? Why are you doing this to yourself? But the Quran and the Sunnah considers that to be what? Either wajib or a sunnah. Either that's not. Are we all together brothers? The Quran and the Sunnah is what determines what's extreme or not. Not our uqul and the way we think. So the Prophet said Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam وَإِيَّاكُمْ وَالْغُلُوَّ فِي الدِّينِ فإنما, هل, فَإِنَّمَا هَلَكَ مَنْ كَانَ قَبْلَكُمْ بِالْغُلُوِّ فِي الدِّينِ Now I want to go into What are the conditions of tawaf shart shurut, just conditions I need to mention What are the conditions for the tawaf? The Prophet said in the hadith الطواف حول البيت مثل الصلاة The tawaf around the Kaaba is like what? It's like It's like salah إِلَّا أَنَّكُمْ تَتَكَلَّمُونَ فِيهِ فَمَن تَكَلَّمَ فِيهِ فَلَا يَتَكَلَّمْ إِلَّا بِخَيْرٍ The only difference is that in the tawaf you can you can talk but the Prophet said if you're going to talk in the tawaf don't speak except that which is good but it's like salah in anything else other than this is salah so what is the conditions of the salah? The first condition is Tahara min al-hadathaini. Number 1. The one who is doing the offer around the Kaaba has to have what? He has to have tahara from the two major two, two, the two impurities. The two impurities, major and minor. He needs to have he has to have purity from those two. Major and what? And minor. The Prophet ﷺ, what did he say to Aisha? When Hajj came, her menses happened to her. Her menses happened to Aisha. So the messenger said to her, If Ali Ma Hajj, Aisha do whatever the people of Hajj do. But don't go around the Kaaba Seven times. Don't go around it don't circumambulate around the Kaaba until you clean yourself and you purify yourself. Are we all together? Idan then tawaf around the Kaaba, it requires definitely major impurity it has to be cleaned from it. What about minor? Can you have minor impurity? If you hold the opinion that it's like the salah and that's what it is, then definitely you have to hold the opinion that it's what? Major and minor impurity. You have to clean yourself from it. If not, we'll come to that discussion later, inshallah ta'ala. Number two, satrul awra. The person has to conceal his awra. Didn't Allah not say, Ya Bani Adam, khudu zinatakum inda kulli masjidin. The children of Adam, take your beauty, meaning take your clothings, inda kulli masjidin, ay kulli salatin, for every prayer. Take your clothings with you for every prayer. The Prophet Sallallahu said the day of Hajjat al the day of Slaughter the Messenger said أَلَّا after this year no one should do Hajj who is a mushrik a pagan and a polytheist cannot do Hajj from this year this time onwards and a person who is naked cannot do tawaf around the Kaaba. A, na- a naked person cannot circumbulate around the Kaaba. This is what the Quraysh used to do. They used to take off all of their clothing, men and women. And they would go around the Kaaba seven times. And, and then they would put their clothes back on. And they would say, because we've sinned on these clothes. So we need to purify ourselves. Number three. It has to be seven Complete circumambulation, Fully completing the seven rounds Around the house You have to complete it Because the messenger He did what? He did seven As Umar mentioned What about if you doubt A six or seven Stick to the six And do the seventh one again You're sure that you did six You're sure that you did six but you're doubtful whether you did the seven. Build the ruling on what you're certain of and avoid what you're doubtful of. You're sure that you did six well then that's what we're going to base it on. The fourth and fifth is You start from the black stone and you finish also at the black stone. Those two. Number six, <laughs> the circumambulation has to be outside the Kaaba. When you say outside the Kaaba, you can't be inside the, 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 the rock. You can't be, you have to be outside it. You can't be inside the Kaaba. You have to be outside the Kaaba. Also, what falls under the Kaaba today is maqamu. Isma'il, they call it, right? That little part. That's round. You see it around the Kaaba like that. That part is, is meant to be part of the Kaaba. <coughs> That's how big the Kaaba should be normally. Are we all together? So, the messenger wanted to build it. Are we all together? The messenger وسلم, said to Aisha, la, If it wasn't, your people were Islam, If your people were not new to Islam <coughs> <coughs> The messenger said, Aisha, if the people were not new to Islam, I would have built the Kaaba. I would have demolished this side, and then I would have built it big. Just the way Ibrahim did it. And the reason why Quraysh, when they were building the Kaaba, they didn't do this part is, the nafaqah, it stopped from them. They didn't have the money to carry on. The money that, look, wallahi subhanAllah, Kuffar, Quraysh. They were building the Kaaba with what? The money didn't finish from the sense they didn't have money. They did have money. The reason why they didn't complete building that part is because the money finished. But I just said they had money. The money that they had remaining was money that was not halal. And they wanted to build a Kaaba with what? Halal money. Every rock that they put, it has to come from something they're 100% sure was halal. Quraysh, that's what they were doing. And you see a Muslim packing his bag and he says, I want to go Hajj. With money, he knows it's riba. Money that he knows is haram. You want to go to the house of Allah. Quraish, were, they, were, they were, the Kuffar of Quraysh were worried to bring haram into this Kaaba. Are we all together? So they didn't do it. Quraish didn't do it. The money that they were looking for was halal, couldn't finish off the Kaaba. They couldn't finish off the Kaaba. So then that part, what they did is they made a little mark for it. To show that this is still part of the Kaaba. It, would, it remained like that until Abdullah ibn Zubair came and he built it. And then after that it got destroyed again. I think Hajjaj's time or something, it got destroyed again. It got, got, that part was taken out again. And so, no one ever fidgeted with it after that. Because everyone comes and he destroys it and he builds it and he destroys it. It will, it will take away from the Kaaba what? The Hurma that it has. Sheikhul Islam spoke about it in great details in his كتاب منهج sunnah النبويّة. So, some people what they do is they go around the Kaaba from inside, from that part. If you do it, that's not tawaf. Tawaf is round the Kaaba, okay, around the Kaaba. That part you can't do it. Number seven is al-mualatu. It has to be um, one after the other. It has to be immediately one after the other. Okay, (coughs) A person can't go and just go home and sleep and come back and then finish off the other three. Are you with me? You're not allowed to do that. It has to be immediately one after the other. What about if salah comes in? I mean, you have to stop. That's no doubt. But can you carry on? We'll talk about that soon inshallah ta'ala. And majority of times that might happen to you. One salah you might get caught up with. I want to now mention the shuruot al-sa'i. The conditions of sa'i. Safa wal marwa. Conditions. Those are an yakuna sabat ashwatin. It has to be seven. Seven times. You have to do it how many times? It has to be seven. Seven times. Number two is beginning with the Safa And ending with Al-Marwah The person starts with Safa And he finishes with Marwah The third one is The third one is performing along the specified The specified path between Al-Safa and al marwa It has to be it has to be done on that specified road. What about the extended part of the Kaaba where they built it and they extended on it? If we get time in this five couple of days, if we get some time, we might discuss the discussion of the scholars of this extra part that was added to it and what they said about it. Even that, though, Sheikh Abdul Karim Al Qudair said, if you were not born before that, you shouldn't talk about it. None. But we'll just mention what the scholars said Rahimahumullah <laughs> Okay Now I'm going to go into actions that are prohibited For the pilgrimage For the pilgrim Acts which are prohibited for the pilgrim Things that he should not do Or things that she should not do Whatever is specific to the men We mention it And whatever is specific to the women We'll mention it The men are not allowed to wear the following And we already spoke about it, Right? Some scholar, I told you this this statement where, which is wearing s- sewn clothing wearing tailored clothing that statement is not right are we all together brothers sewn lafz al the fuqaha use and the first one to use that was Ibrahim al-Nakhai and then from the Hanafiyah I mentioned Zufar uh, Ibn Hudayl Mentioned it after him, in his and then it was mentioned in al-Mabsut. The Hadith took it and it became common amongst the people. So you see a person who um, anything that stitched, they will unstitch it. Like we all together. That's not the statement. The Hadith it stated particular things that are the things that are prohibited are what fits you. That's the correct word, fitting. Whatever fits your body parts, it's fitted around you. That's what's not allowed. Are we all together? And we mentioned the hadith, Baranisa, Illa And we mentioned this, right? The things that you can't wear. You're not allowed to wear what? You're not allowed to wear a kumus. A kumus is a shirt. Wal you're not allowed to wear turban on your head. Wal you're not allowed to wear trousers. Wal baranisa, baranisa is what? It's the thobe with a hoodie. And I told you, it's the one that the Moroccans wear. The Moroccans, you know see the one they wear, the maghariba? It's like that one, it looks like that one. Walal Khifafa, don't wear a khuf. Except... If you can't find shoes, then wear the Khufain. The Prophet said, let him wear Khufain. And then, if cut it until it goes under the ankles. And we said, this ruling was what? This ruling is abrogated. That last part is abrogated. We mentioned that previously. نعم. The second thing is. An issue unique to the woman which is وَجْهِ الْمَرْأَةِ وَيَدَيْهَا وَجْهِ الْمَرْأَةِ The woman placing niqab on her face. وَيَدَيْهَا and her hands. Those two she cannot place. So she can't wear niqab. Because of the hadith of Ibn Umar. لَا bil <laughs> The woman who's in a state of ihram. She does not wear niqab. وَلَا تَلْبَسُ And she doesn't wear الق The quvazine are the gloves. (coughs) So some of the scholars, they gave the fatwa that she can wear, she can take a khimar and just throw it on her head. And it just covers her face like that. Sah? She can. And um, it's excessive, some of them you see they're wearing caps. Are you with me? Because they believe nothing not can touch their face. We're going to go into all of that, inshallah ta'ala. The only thing that's not allowed is a niqab. The hadith stated that. Like it's allowed for anything other than that to cover herself with. For example, if she takes the edge of her cloth or jilbab or a hijab and she places it over her face like that whenever men go by. As Aisha ta'ala anha, she said that, Whenever men, a group of men will go by, we will cover our faces. We will cover our faces. So the covering of the face is not prohibited from the woman in Hajj. Okay, that's not prohibited from her. What is prohibited from her is to get something that's covering her face like that. She places a niqab on her face. And she's not also allowed to wear gloves. But that doesn't mean she can bring her hands out She places her hands in. Um, And the hadith is, I mentioned it for you. Number three is, A man cannot cover his head. You're not allowed to put something on your head. We just mentioned it, the Prophet's statement. What did he say? And says subhanAllah, sometimes you see some people, they take this issue very serious and too much. Um, they go overboard so they don't go inside cars they say nothing's allowed to be on top of your head so they don't go in cars so if they do go into those cars the roof is cut off and I've seen that happen Or well, they you know those golf cars those little golf cars that, have you, have you have you seen the golf car Do you guys know the golf cars you know golf right or you guys only know cricket you guys know golf right uh, golf car, there's, there's little cars that they drive in the garden so they had some people they only take those cars they won't go into the coaches they won't go into a car they won't go into anything and that's incorrect because the Prophet and the hadith is going to come to us in Jabir the benefits that we're going to take from it is and then. Prophet biha." the Messenger requested for a tent to be made for him in what? In the tent, what does it do? It covers you. So you can. Okay, number four. At-tibu. Stay away from. At-tib. tib means what? Perfume and anything. You're not allowed to do that. Number five and number six. Is-taklimu wa izalat al-sha'ri aw aw-al-qassi aw Taking from your nails. Or your What? Or your hair. Whether you shorten it or you shave it, you're not allowed to. It's a condition that you can't do that. These are min mahadurat al-ihram. Some people, what they do is they bite their hands. They bite their nails, sorry, not their hands. They bite their nails, right? When they get nervous, you always see them biting their nails. Are you with me? So I saw a brother in hajj, he had something wrapped around his hand. So I thought he was wounded, I said, what happened to him? He said, yeah, I have to be careful. Of what? Of myself. Well, what are you going to do? He said, whenever I get nervous, I start biting my nails. So I said, Ajeeb. <laughs> In Hajj and Umar, you see everything, just about everything. Any and everything, you, you come into contact with people. So, you can't do that. Um, Also, I saw another extreme group of people. They don't scratch their head. They're like, oh. They don't touch their head. Hey, why do you scratch your head? Because if I scratch, hair might fall out. I told you guys yesterday. He doesn't touch his beard. If he scratches it in Hajj, he won't scratch his beard. Why? Because if I scratch it, hair falls out. This is halak al-mutanatta'oon. This is extreme, brothers. The hadith is talking about intentionally trying to take your hair out. It's intentionally trying to cut your hair. Or it's intentionally trying to take off your nails. Number eight. Or number seven. Is sexual intercourse and anything that might lead to it. You're not allowed to. A man is not allowed to play with his wife in hajj. You're not allowed to. You're not, you're not even allowed to have sexual intercourse. And anything that might lead to sexual Issues that you can't, whether it be talking about it, whether it be playing around, you're not allowed to. Number eight, iqtiraful ma'asi, stay away from sins. You have to stay away from sins. Number eight is to stay away from sins. Number nine, al-mukhasamatu Stay away from debates and argumentations. Those three that I just mentioned are all mentioned. The last three that I just mentioned section intercourse and anything that I might lead to it, falling into sins, and argumentation and debates is in the ayah al hajj, ashhurum ma'lumat, man al hajj. intercourse and whatever I might lead to it, wala maasi and sins, wala jidala, argumentation. Hajj don't argue, and you see that. You see people arguing in hajj. Especially hajj, just about all the groups, they, they have to sometimes share the same tent. So your hamlah, you see different individuals, whether it be this group, or that group, or this group in the religion. You all are in the same tent. And what happens? May Allah protect. May Allah protect. People who don't even have different aqidahs, but they all have what fiqh differences. Books are coming out. Get my bag, it's right there. And then one gets his bags and he turns the whole khayma and the whole tent turns into a what? Throwing hadiths and books at each other. Stay away from all of that. When you go hajj, say what you believe. If a person tries to argue with you, just leave them. It's not the place to debate, it's not the place to argue the same is Ramadan, right? If somebody tries to fight with you or cause you any problems, what do you say to them in Ramadan? You say, I'm fasting. I'll deal with you after Ramadan. Is that what you say? No, you say, I'm fasting. You say, I'm fasting. I, I, I don't want to be part of this. The same is hajj. You do that. Number 10 and 11 is al-kitba You're not allowed to propose. You can't propose for a girl. You see a father that you've been looking for so long, and Allah has made the opportunity for you to do Hajj with him. And you've been looking to him for him to ask for his daughter. And this is the opportunity of a lifetime where he's relaxed. It's the Kaaba, you think, oh Allah, he can't say no. And so you, you go into the tent with him and you say, uncle, oh cool, I need to talk to you. And you ask for his daughter. No, it's not permissible. Khitbah is not allowed. And if the father, yeah, of course, you want it now? And he sticks his hand out and he calls two witnesses, it's also not allowed. It's called Akdun Nikah, it's also not allowed. This is based on the hadith that we took previously. ولا ولا Number 12 is barri. The person stays away from hunting. And we said the hunting here is animals on the on the earth. Okay? You're not allowed to hunt. You're not allowed to hunt. You're not also allowed to convince another person to hunt for you. And if you know somebody hunted for you without you even saying to him, you're also not allowed to take it. Are we all together? You're not allowed to. Because of the ayah, وَحُرِّمْ عَلَيْكُمْ سَيْدُ الْبَرِّ مَا دُمْ تُمْحُرُ مَا And also the hadith that we mentioned, that the Messenger ﷺ rejected the food that was brought to him. Does anyone know what Sahabi that was? Sahabi ibn Laythi And number 13 was what I mentioned We mentioned that Now we're going to go into the things that nullify your hajj Nullifies it, khalas No more hajj for you anymore Sexual intercourse. The sexual intercourse can happen in two situations. If the person has a sexual intercourse الأول, after the Awal, are you with me, brothers? And this is after the. Mm-hmm. before. It's before. The Rami of the Jamrat al Aqaba. If that's, that's before that is the al Awwal. If before the Tahallul Awwal he has sexual intercourse, there's no Hajj. It's not a void. If it's after the Tahallul Awwal, remember everything is allowed for him. The Hadith I mentioned. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, what did he say? If you've thrown. And you've done your rami. The Prophet ﷺ said. Everything has been made halal for you. Except the woman. Remember we said that. So if he does sexual intercourse with his wife. His hajj is not batil. It's not null and void. But he's in a serious situation. He has to basically give a, a, a sacrifice. Ibn al-Mundhir transmitted an ijma' in that issue, and the second one is Tarku min arkan al-haji. If a person leaves a pillar from the pillars of Hajj, if a person leaves a pillar from the pillars of Hajj, and inshallah Taala, we mentioned some of them, but we're going to go into. Um, The discussions regarding it, regarding it, inshallah, Ta'ala. I just want to mention the blood in Hajj are three types. The bloods in Hajj are three types. Adima' fil Hajj. Write this down because it help us help you a lot before we go into the Hadith of Jabir. It's three. The blood of the tamattu'. The blood of the, the tamattu', and the Quran together. The sacrifice related to the tamattu' and the Quran. And that's the hadith that he does. Number two is The second blood is the blood as a ransom. The person is paying this blood as ransom. And that is the one that we mentioned for the ayah. Remember we mentioned that. Who did it come down on? Ka'ab ibn Ujrah He came down on Ka'ab ibn Ujrah The third type of blood is called damul jaza' Damul jaza' Damul jaza' is it's the blood that is obligatory on the muhrim if he hunts the blood that is obligatory on the muhrim if he hunts From where لكن? the earth But it see no problem. There's nothing upon him. Number four, demul So what was this, the, third, the third blood? The sacrifice as a, as an expiation, right? That was the third, right? And the fourth one is. The fourth one is, the sacrifice of the one who is not able to complete the rituals of Hajj. It's called demul ihssari. The person is unable to finish it. And that's the one ayah Allah mentions it. We'll come into that. The person is not able to complete the, the rituals of Hajj due to illness or the presence of an enemy or anything of that nature. And Allah said in the ayah. And if you are prevented from completing them, then sacrifice. The fifth one is damul wati. It's the sacrifice that comes from uh, due to sexual intercourse. Those are, the t- those are the five types that the fuqaha mentioned. We'll go into that in more details insha'Allah ta'ala. I want to now go into the issue of Ziyaratul Medina al Munawwara and the etiquette regarding that. We already spoke about the virtues of Medina, right? We did? No? Did we? Did we speak about the virtues of Medina? Ah. Medina, we mentioned it. And one of the evidences that I spoke about was that the Prophet ﷺ said, Inna inna al-Medina ti kalkiri. Medina is like a kir. Medina is like a The Prophet Sallallahu he said Medina If we take this hadith in the Bulugh Al Maram The Prophet ﷺ said Medina is like the bellows It gets rid of the filth Medina It's like a bellows You know when you blow into the thing and you're cooking the, the dirt and everything goes out Medina blows out the filthy people A filthy person cannot remain in Medina Munafiqan." Medina will spit that person out. The Prophet said, The hour will not strike until Medina gets rid of all of its evil people. Just like the bellows, it removes and eradicates and gets rid of the rust on the metal. Also, the Messenger told us, Do not travel to except three masjids. We're only allowed to travel to what? Three masjids. What are the three masjids that we can travel to? Masjid Nabawi, Masjid Al-Haram, and Masjid Al-Aqsa. Can you travel from here to go to that? What's that grand masjid in Abu Dhabi? Can you travel to go there? No, you can't. You can only travel for what? You can only travel for three masjids. Habibi, coming from another country just to go to that masjid, it goes against its hadith. You're not allowed to. But if you're in Abu Dhabi and you're there, you're local, you're not traveling for it. It's a different thing. Are we all together, brothers? You can only travel for three masjids. wa masjidil wa masjidil aqsa. Good. The etiquette of visiting the Prophet's masjid and the Prophet's grave. We need to mention this. Very important. When you go to Medina and that's the majority of the people they start their journey. A lot of the hamalat. sah. They take the people to Medina first, right? They go Medina first and then they go Umrah uh, Umrah, and then Hajj. So let's study some etiquettes and ma- manners of the ziyarah in Medina. If you come to the masjid, come with your right leg in first. And then say the dua. Allah ma salli ala Muhammad. Oh Allah send salutation abu Muhammad. Wa sallim. Allah maftahli rahmatik. Or you can say, A'udhu billahi al وَبِوَجْهِهِ الْكَرِيمِ وَسُلْطَانِهِ الْقَدِيمِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ Then you pray two raga'ah sunnah. In the masjid. Tahiyyatul masjid. Before you sit down. Number three. Stay away from. Praying the salah. إلى جِهَةِ القَبْرِ Stay away from. Praying. Towards the what? Towards the grave. Some people, they pray towards the grave. And when they get stopped, there, that's when it is. But they want to pray towards the qabr. Stay away from that. Um, once the person finishes the salah and they pray, go to the grave. Are you allowed to travel from England or Dubai or any other, other country in the world? Your intent is to go to the Prophet's grave. Are you allowed to do that? No. You're not allowed to travel for the Prophet's grave. You, you travel for the masjid, and once you come to the masjid, you visit the Prophet's grave. There's a difference between ziyarah to qabri Rasulullah. Visiting the Prophet's grave, this is permissible, without a doubt. Visiting the grave. Are we all together? Lakin, to travel for the Prophet's grave is a different discussion. That's not permissible. We mentioned the hadith right now. What did we say? Do not travel. Don't cut a distance, a distance for only these three places. Nowhere else. Are you with me brothers? But What about if I want to go to a a halaqah and a sheikh has a dars and I want to go there and I want to benefit? Is that allowed? How do you go outside the discussion here? Can you go? Can I travel from one country to another country? to go to that halaqah and to benefit hey, why Shahid okay but how do you reconcile this with this hadith yeah. no 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 that's not the one ha huh. huh. that's, that's all good but how do you reconcile between these two? Brothers, you're not traveling to a place, you're traveling to a a concept. You're not traveling to a land, you're not going to the masjid, you're not traveling to a masjid. We're talking about traveling to a place, you're not allowed to other than these three places. Are you with me brothers? But you can travel for business if you want to and worldly issues. Like When it comes to traveling for a particular place, you're not allowed to other than these three places. Like you can travel for seeking knowledge, seeking knowledge is not a place. Are we all together brothers So The Prophet's grave is a place You're not allowed to travel for that But once you go And you go to the, the Prophet's masjid It's very disrespectful That you don't visit the grave You go and visit him Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam You give him salams And you stay away from Placing the, your hand on your chest Some people they do this we, Actually to be honest A lot of us actually do it When we give salams to someone we say that, right? I'm from them. Sometimes I do it. Uh, I see someone. What I'm trying to say is, <laughs> uh, it's good to avoid that. Mm-hmm. Stay away from it. So give the Prophet salam, And the, Prophet, the person says, assalamu ala ahli min al When they go to, the, sorry, when they go to Baqir, After you go to the Prophet's grave, and you give salam to the Prophet. ﷺ. We'll talk about that in more details what you do and how you say it. I don't want to mention it now. And then you go to Baqir and you make dua for the people of Baqiya. What do you do? You make dua for the people of Baqiyah. The fifth thing that you think that you need to do is don't raise your voice in the Prophet's masjid. This is the Prophet's masjid. Don't raise your voice. Or even next to the grave. Let your voice be very low. Have good manners with the Prophet. ﷺ. His masjid. Umar saw two men shouting. And so Umar took a pebble from somewhere and he threw it at them to get their attention. And so they looked at him. And then he said, Aina Antuma, where are you guys from? They said, We're from Taif. Umar said, If you guys were from Medina, <laughs> I would have beaten you guys severely. I would have lashed you guys severely if you guys were from the people of Medina. Why? Because they were raising their voices in the Prophet's masjid. So you're not allowed to raise your voice. Number six is The person should try hard to pray all of the salah in where? The person should try hard to pray all of those salah in the front row. It's sad that somebody will travel from a distance, come from another country and he spends all his time away from the, he's in the hotel, he's in the mall, in Medina, he's in the mall going around buying things and you've come from a different country, you don't have this luxury of staying here, so what you do is you stay in the masjid as much as you can and you do adhkar from one salah to the other and you pray at the front row. Number seven, don't let your striving to pray in the rawdah prevent you from praying at the front row. Because the front row is better than anything else. Because of the general rulings that have come regarding it. After that, go and pray in the road if you want. وليس من السنة أن يحرس على الصلاة في المسجد أربعين صلاة بناء على الحديث الذي اشتهر على السنة الناس تداوله and also there's a hadith that's famous on the people's tongue, that you have to try 40 hadith, 40 salats, you have to pray with the people in the jama'ah. The hadith where they, where they say that the Prophet said, If anybody prays 40 salahs in my masjid, and he doesn't miss any of them, it will be written for him, that Allah will pr- save him from the, from the fire. And Allah will protect him from the punishment of the hellfire. And Allah will free him from being from the hypocrites. That hadith, it's weak and it's not authentic. Okay? But that doesn't mean you don't try hard. Why you, you restricting yourself to 40? Make it 100. Do more. But to think that there's a specific reward for 40. I've seen a, uh, a brother who prayed only 40 and then he goes, Alhamdulillah. Now I can relax. What are you going to do? Yeah, I'm just going to now pray in my local masjid. And are you with me? No. Why don't you carry on? Number nine. It is not legislated. It's not from the sunnah to every time you go to the masjid, you go to the grave. You go to the masjid, you go to the grave. Every time. Because you say, I want to give him salams. The salam. It reaches him. Wherever you are, it will reach him. There are angels that are going to take it to him. And number 10 is When you're leaving the masjid, when you're, you're leaving the masjid and you're exiting the masjid, don't walk backwards. Don't go backwards. And the reason why I mention this is because there are some people when they leave the masjid, they leave backwards. You know why? Because they say I don't want to turn my back on the Prophet ﷺ. Are you with me? All of this is not from the evidences. The person should also try to go to Masjid al-Quba if he's in Medina. It's, it's a Sunnah to go to that place because the Prophet وسلم, used to go there. Sometimes he will take a riding beast. Sometimes he would walk towards it, and he will pray two raka'ah. The Messenger said in the Hadith anyone who purifies himself in his house and he comes to the Masjid Quba and he prays inside it he gets the reward of Umrah. also it's good to go to Baqir Baqir is a grave of the Muslims that are buried there many of the Sahabas are buried there it is recommended to go there also some of the scholars they mentioned it's good to go to Uhud and visit it because the prophet said Uhudun jabalun yuhibbuna wa nuhibbu Uhud is a mountain that loves us and we love it and there are 70 of the prophet's companions that are buried there that battle that took place last two points that I want to mention before the Salah is number one is Many people, they stay in Medina more than they stay in Mecca. And that's not what you should do. The Salah in the Prophet's message is only a thousand. And the Salah in what? Mecca is how many? One hundred thousand. So you should spend more time in where? In Mecca. Number two. Many of the hujjaj they think The visiting of the Prophet's masjid is from the manasik of hajj. They think it's part of the hajj ritual to go and visit the Prophet's masjid. So if they don't go or if the package doesn't take them, they think they cause a big fuss that the hajj is not worked out and I didn't do hajj. And they base it on the false hadith, the fabricated hadith, the made up hadith. Fabricated, it's the worst form of hadith. That they say, Man Hajja, anyone who does Hajj, Falam Yazurni, and he hasn't come to visit me, jafani, he has boycotted me. So they hold on to that false made up hadith which is not true. But it's good for the person to go. It's not from the rituals. InshaAllah Ta'ala after the salah we'll go over the hadith bi Now let's go into the wording of the hadith. Jabir radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he said, Anna رسول sallallahu alayhi wa sallam hajja fa kharajna معه So the narration here, it starts by saying that the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was doing hajj. But before that, because Hafidh ibn Hajj in Buloh Maram, he took out some wordings of Imam Muslim. And there's a reason why he did that, because he wants to make it very short mention mentioned before that before that it says inna sallallahu alaihi wasallam 9 years lam 9 years the messenger didn't do hajj in medina he was there for 9 years and he didn't do hajj so but the prophet did hajj before islam be sorry sure in the Meccan days before medina the messenger did hajj in Mecca. as ibn hajar mentioned but as he came to Medina, he never done no Hajj. This is the first time he's gonna do Hajj. Sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And the day that the Prophet alaihi left Mecca, sorry, Medina, was on a Saturday. Five days was remaining from Dil Qida. Five days was remaining from Dil Qida. The Prophet left on a on a Saturday. And the year was the tenth. It was the tenth year. So the Prophet, وسلم, he spent on the, on the road for the uh, eight, eight nights. It took him how long? Eight nights, sallallahu alayhi wa Jabir then said, ma'ahu. We went out with the messenger. We came out with him. This shows you that when it got announced that the messenger is going out to do hajj this year, every single body wanted to do it with the Prophet wasallam. Everyone wanted to do it with him. And the number of people that did hajj with the Prophet wasallam was 120,000. One hundred and? And this shows us how the Sahabas were striving to be there and to do hajj with the Prophet and what we benefit from this is the virtue of being in the company of righteous people. And if they're doing khir to indulge and do the khir with them. And if you know you're going to benefit from that person, akhlaq, ilm, then you do it. So the Prophet ﷺ went and he reached Dil Hulaifa, the Miqat of the people of Medina. When the messenger came to the Miqat of the people of Medina, Jabir said, we came to the Hulayfa. asma b.T. Umaysin gave birth. Who knows who Asma b.T. Umaysin is? Put your hand up if you know who she is. Huh. Who is she? She was the wife of Ja'far. Okay, any other opinion? The wife of Abu Bakr. Any other opinion? Who is she? That's correct. Both. Ja'far used to be married to her. When Ja'far died, Abu Bakr married her. Who's the child which she gave birth to? Whose child was it? Yeah? who's child is it yeah Muhammad ibn Abi Bakr is Ja'far son sorry it's Abu Bakr son she gave birth to Abu Bakr son what's amazing is that the hadith what's amazing with the hadith is Asma doesn't get mentioned after this at all I've always wondered why why because the important thing that we want to know is she's in her postnatal bleeding so if she's in her postnatal bleeding Not in any of the tariq of the hadith is mentioned. All day today I was looking for all the turuq, all the turuq. And I've seen other scholars negate it. Her mention stops here. So the question is, did she remain on her menses when when she reached Medina? And so she could do everything fine? Meaning, before the Prophet could come back from Medina, Mecca, from Medina after hajj. Did things finish for her or did it carry on? And if it did carry on, did the messenger allow her to do dawafar on the Kaaba from the angle of a darura, necessity? None of that is stated. None of that is stated. Anyways, the Prophet ﷺ said to Asma' because she wanted to know, Asma' bint Umayyin wanted to know what can she do? The Prophet said to her, clean yourself completely. Wastan, what does it mean, Ightasiri? Wastath- Istithfar means tie a thing in your waist and then let two sides of it dangle, put a cloth there to protect that which is coming from you and tie it to your waist. It's what we would say today the underwear that women wear. With a cloth being put there, an extra cloth, just so that it doesn't nothing comes out or nothing comes down. That's what the Prophet commanded her to do. That. Then, after that, the Messenger sallam he prayed the Salah in the Masjid. Here, the question here is, the Messenger sallam he prayed. This Salah that he prayed. It was dhuhr, as in, in riwayat mentioned. The person, is he allowed to pray sunnah? No doubt it's best to pray an actual wajib salah. But is it permissible to pray a sunnah? And is it good? There's a khiraf amongst the scholars, and that which seems the correct is that it's permissible. But it's good to make sure, or try to wait for f- obligatory prayer. So you can follow the sunnah to the prof- of the Prophet Thumma rakibad then the messenger f- He mounted on Al-Qaswa'a Qaswa'a Was the messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam's Camel That was the name that was given to Qaswa. The word Qaswa means al is the camel Which is ears cut It's got a cut ear Slit like in the Prophet Sallallahu His Naqa's ear was not cut He didn't, No sign was on there Nothing like that was done but he liked to call the camel Qaswa because he really loved Qaswa. He really loved this camel. sallallahu alaihi wa Then the Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, alayhi sallallahu wa sallam, hattā bihi al Here the question is, we mentioned last time, when did the Prophet then do the tahleel? When did he proclaim? When did he say it loudly? we said the masjid right and we spoke about it when it came to the issue of Al-Bayda the open land Abdullah ibn Umar in rejecting that we mentioned that right so how do we reconcile between those two narrations both parties are right the masjid sallam, one group they heard him say it in the masjid and some heard it when he mounted on his camel and some heard it when he was out in the open each place he was saying the tahlil loud that's when they when they heard it is when they mentioned it, the messenger said, "Labbayk Allahumma, labbayk, labbayk, la sharika lakalabbayk. Inna al-hamda wa al-ni'mata lakawal-mulk, la sharika lak." What does it mean, "Labbayk Allahumma, labbayk"? It means, "Ijaba ta lak ijaba." Oh Allah, we are obeying you, and again we are obeying you. The question here is that you only obey or you accept the call when there was a call done, right? So someone has to call you, in order for you to say "al-labeeka." The Arabs by the consensus of the people of the language, the labek is only used when somebody calls you. So where were these? The Prophet called and his companions. nasi bil rijala wa 'ala kulli yatina min kulli Surah al-Hajj, ayah twenty, ayah twenty-seven. Surah al-Hajj, ayah twenty-seven. Allah Taala said. وَأَذِّن فِي النَّاسِ Proclaim to the people. So the Hajj was proclaimed. وسلم, to him and his companions. So that's what he means. Oh Allah, we're obeying your call. We're obeying your command. This one is li The Prophet is repeating it again to emphasize on it. إِنَّ alhamda. We can say إِنَّ الْحَمْدَةُ or we can say al Hamda." Both we can say it. We can say hamda and we can say an hamda If we say "in-al-hamda," then it becomes Jumla Musta'nafa, a complete sentence that stands by itself, which means um, when we say al-Hamda, it means, "O oh Allah, all praise is to you in any situation. But when we say an hamda it's littlealil reasoning." O oh Allah, praises to you because. When we say, al alhamdah, that's what it means. O oh Allah, we obey you because you are praiseworthy and you have bestowed upon us these blessings. The word Alhamdu means what? It means, Al wasfu bil kamali, ma'al mahabbati, It is to describe Allah in completeness, that He's complete, subhanahu wa ta'ala, with love and veneration. Love and glorification. Ni'ma means what? Al fadl, virtue. That you bestowed upon us virtue. لَكَ The lamb in لَكَ is lamul ikhtisas. It's only for you, O oh Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Wal mulk, kingdom, is for you subhanahu wa ta'ala. You're the king of all of the creation. You're the one who controls everything. La sharika lak. You have no partners in any of that. You're alone in that because the ayah says, wa ma bikum min ni'mah fa Allah right there is no blessing that comes to you it's only from who so the ni'mah is only from Allah ta'ala and the messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam he stuck to the talbiyah alayhi salatu wasalam. he stuck to his talbiyah as it says in the other wording walazim rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam talbiyatahu And it's good to stick to the uh, talbiyah of the Prophet and what he said and not to add to it. But there were other people that were saying other things that the Prophet wasn't saying. There were other people saying other things that the Prophet wasn't saying. Or they were increasing on that which the Prophet didn't say. They were saying extra things. There were people who were doing that. It doesn't matter whichever People, you hear saying something else, it's not a problem. Let them say what they want because the Prophet didn't say anything to them. حَتَّى إِذَا أَتَيْنَا الْبَيْتَ. So the Messenger then he said his talbiya and he's on his riding beast until he came to the Kaaba. Hatta إِذَا أَتَيْنَا until we came to al we came to the Kaaba. اسْتَلَمَ الرُّكْنَ. The Prophet what did he do? He touched her He touched the Kaaba. I want to mention some points Inshallah, Ta'ala There are one two. When it comes to touching the black stone There are four situations P- Touching the black stone is four situations One is that you touch it And you kiss it And the touching is with the right hand Because the right hand is what is to show veneration and respect Your right hand is good the left hand is, is not that good hand. And the second one is, if he's unable to touch it, and he's unable to kiss it, what does he do? He, so he can't kiss it, sorry, he only touches it. So the second situation is, he only touches it. He can't kiss, for whatever reason. The second situation is, to only touch it. The third situation is, He can't touch the Kaaba with his hand. Third situation is he uses a stick or something, an object, and he touches it with that object like the Messenger did The Prophet used his stick. And the fourth one is he can't do any of that, he just he uses his hand, that's it. And he only used one hand. Why? What's the wisdom of touching the stone? It's to honor Allah, not the stone, honor Allah. And it's to honor the Messenger وسلم, and to follow the Messenger. But what does it doesn't mean that this stone can do something, it can harm us or it can affect us. Or it can no. It's Allah جل, we're doing it for. It's the one who He's the one who commanded us to do it. What does the person say when they touch the black stone? What do they say? The sunnah is to say Allahu Akbar. We mentioned that, right? But there's also that which is transmitted from Abdullah ibn Umar that he used to say Bismillah. He used to say Bismillah wallahu akbar. Bayhaqi narrated it in Sahih. And Abdullah ibn Umar was very well known for following the Prophet وسلم, so much. So the scholars, some of them they said, Mawkufu lafdan It's even that it's Ibn Umar who is doing it, but it's attributed to who? But it's attributed to the Prophet. So the person says, Bismillah, wallahu akbar. Like in wallahu akbar, there's evidence for that. The Prophet did that. Sallallahu Alaihi wa That the Prophet did that. sallallahu wa sallam wa kabbara. That's the Prophet. Okay, another thing I want to mention is Is there a virtue in touching the black stone? If I touch it, what, what virtue do I get? The Prophet sallallahu he mentioned in the hadith al-Imam Muhammad narrated in his musnad, in the hadith of the umar the Prophet said, The touching of the stone, the black stone. And touching the, the corner, the Yemeni corner. They remove the sins from you. They remove it from you. The Prophet ﷺ said in the hadith, al Imam Tirmidhi narrated in the hadith of Abbasi. Allah will bring the black stone on the day of judgment. It has two eyes. And it will have a tongue in which it will talk. On what? And it will testify for the person who touched it with truth. The one who when he was touching it, he was sincere, he was real some of the scholars, they said the ayah, Some of the scholars, they said that the shahid and the mashhud here, that's going to testify for you the day of judgment. Some of the scholars, they said it's Hajar al-Aswad. There's many aqwal, but some of the scholars, they mentioned that the Hajar al-Aswad is being referred to here. What about if it's not Hajar umrah it's not hajj or umrah, I'm doing tawaf around the Kaaba. I ain't doing hajj, I ain't doing umrah. Is it good to touch the Kaaba? Is it good to touch it? Jumhur al ulama are of the opinion, no. Jumhur al ulama are of the opinion, no. If it's not hajj, and if it's not umrah that you're doing around the Kaaba, no. That's the overwhelming majority of the scholars, what they believe. So the messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa he touched the stone. He touched it, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. The Prophet وسلم, he jogged for how many? The first three, he jogged. And the fourth, one, and the fifth, and the sixth, and the seventh, the next four, he walked, He walked, عليه الصلاة, عليه الصلاة The scholars, they mentioned a reason why the Prophet ﷺ jogged. There was a hikmah why he jogged. They said, Ibn Abbas narrating Bukhari muslim لَمَّا قَدِمَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ ashabuhu مَكَّةٌ when the messenger came to Mecca and his companions, they came to Mecca, فَقَالَ الْمُشْرِكُونَ the pagans, they said, إِنَّهُ عَلَيْكُمْ قَوْمٌ There's going to come to a group of people who the mosquitoes of Medina have gone into their bodies and they're suffering from a malaria. They're sick people, weak Weak people are gonna to come to you, Muhammad and his companions are gonna to come to you guys. <Manhans> them them them, oh sorry, Medina. It's mosquitoes have harmed them. So the Prophet knew that, right? الثَّلَاثَةَ <laughs> <speaking,uler> <all> <water> to show them hey, we ain't sick. We're strong. The Prophet ran for three. Remember, this is hot. No air conditioner, no. Marble None of that So he went around the carpet three times And the f- fourth and the fifth and the sixth and seventh For his companions The Prophet ﷺ took that away Question If that's the reason why the Prophet do it Why are we doing it for today? That was the Illa, right? That was the reason Now the Illa is removed right? Yeah, but he, he did it for a reason. The ruling revolves around its reason. If the reason is found, the ruling is found. If the reason is missing, the ruling is missing. Why do, you, why do you stay away from drinking alcohol? Because it intoxicates. What about if it doesn't intoxicate? You can drink it. The ruling revolves around the reason. The reason, why something was made permissible or why it was made halal or why it was made haram. The reason why the raml was made was for these kuffar. That reason is gone. Does the ruling go with it? It's not a rhetorical question. It's a direct question. I want an answer. Yeah? Yeah. Muhammad again. (laughs) The sahih Jameel, The sahaa Umar radiallahu anhu, and other companions, they would jog and they said, we will not stop this. We will not stop doing this And even the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi companions uh, Sorry, the Prophet Sallallahu He Took over Mecca And the Kuffar were weak So even what they said to themselves Would have been with them So this ruling Is something that carries on That we will do forever like, Remember I mentioned a point where You show your arm Your right arm And you what? Well this is done for how long? This is only done when you come into the Kaaba. Some people do it from the Miqat. From Dil In the in the coach, they have one arm showing. No, you don't. You only do that when you see the Kaaba. The minute you see you, sh- you open it. Some scholars, they say, no, 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 you actually only do it when you come to the the Hajar al-Aswad. When you start, then you show your arm. You only do it at that moment. The first three you show, and then after that you don't show. It's not all the time that you show We'll stop there for uh, now. I'll take some, of the pe- some people's uh, questions they asked, and we'll carry on this hadith for tomorrow inshallah ta'ala. We'll finish off the hadith tomorrow. Bi-idhnillahi kareem If we do finish the hadith, then we've really taken the concept of uh, hajj inshallah ta'ala. So, um, sister's question inshallah ta'ala. Um, would you please clar- clarify the following? In the state of ihram, would it be permissible to use creams, soaps, toothpaste, etc., as they all contain fragrance? Yes. If you're in the state of ihram, and you've passed the miqat, and you're in the state of ihram, you are not allowed to use things that contain smells, taste. It's got a smell to it. Are we all together? Like soaps, creams, stay away from it. Are we all together? Have to stay away from it. Don't use it. And we'll go into that more, inshaAllah ta'ala, on that issue. Number two is, are the women allowed to apply fragrance onto their bodies prior to wearing their ihram too? Women are not allowed to make themselves smell. Uh, they're not allowed to wear perfume. Are we all together? Like in the thing that the women are allowed is, what's it called? Deodorants they're allowed because the deodorant, it goes. Are we all together? And they are allowed, they are allowed to use soaps and creams, things like that, women can use. As long as it doesn't have a smell that attracts everybody. Are we all together? Number three, would the wife's aunt, maternal or paternal, be a mahram? No. She wouldn't be. Because he could marry her. The only reason that he can't marry her right now is what? He's married to her daughter. Or her niece. The minute she goes, he can marry her. So be careful. The last question, which is very good as well, is if a woman does not have an adult mahram, father, husband, brother, etc. and is unable to go for hajj, for for this reason, should she ask for a person who is able to do hajj on her behalf, paying all the costs of the hajj for that person, if she is worried she will not be able to ever get the hajj for herself, or is better for her to wait until her son grows and reaches age of puberty and become eligible mahram for her? No. If the woman has the money to go Hajj and she has the ability to go Hajj, she has the ability. But the only thing that's missing from her is a mahram, Hajj is still a bigotry on her. In what way, Lakin? To go? No. She has to pay for someone. Are we all together? Because told, I told you, a woman cannot travel without a mahram. She's not allowed to travel without a mahram to hajj. That's the strongest opinion. But the hajj is still wajib on her. How is it wajib on her? She has to pay for someone else. Someone else's funds and everything she pays for. And if Allah gives her the future, then she goes with her son when he grows. You can go. But then she's fulfilled the hajj that was obligatory uh, on her. Uh, and ilm is with Allah Jalla. سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك اشهد ان لا اله الا الله استغفرك